It's just after 8 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rabaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub with three locations. One on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the Strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non-invasive scan to day for peace of mind visit pdcenterlv.com rob ritchie farmers insurance 702-335-5744 702-335-5744 laborers union 872 the builders of allegiant stadium and the las vegas ballpark home of the aviators promodirect.com use k-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com and by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. now. And it does live at the PSPR Law Studios. It is Ken Thompson. Sports X Radio coming at you Monday through Friday right here, 8 to 10 p.m. Keep it here, folks. Great stuff. Fish and Hoke last night doing a great job. Andrew Fishfane, the host on Monday night. Producer Mark chiming in. And lots of great stuff on Monday. They get the week started. Tuesday through Friday, KT with you. And, of course, Wednesday night's live at Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo, 103 in the Vegas Valley to serve you. And I will be back there tomorrow night. Now, because of the holiday season, a lot of you fearing that we will not have the Friday football fiasco. But we have taken that into consideration. And tomorrow... Even though it's Wednesday, we will get you all your football, all your college and pro football. Brad Powers will come in, do a special show with me. We will tape that tomorrow afternoon. We will get that on. We will cover the games for Friday and the games for Saturday. College football, also the NFL, of course, for uh, Sunday and Monday. Now, tomorrow night, Mark Lawrence will not be with me. I do not know who will be with me, guest number one, in that first half hour, but I believe it's going to be Rudy Rudiger. Good old Rudy. We're going to talk a little Notre Dame USC. And then at 835, right around there, we'll get, of course, our 840. Arthur DeCesar will join me uh, from the Westgate Superbook. We'll go over all the lines for all the games. Remember, three NFL games coming up on Thursday. You've got the Egg Bowl, Mississippi, Mississippi State, and you've got tons of action throughout the entire week. So it is nonstop. And don't forget the World Cup, baby. I mean, it is wall-to-wall. When you're on the West Coast, that means 2 a.m. That's when the first game goes down. And if you were uh, privy to be up early this morning, you saw one of the most incredible upsets in World Cup history. Saudi Arabia down 1-0 on a messy penalty kick for Argentina. They win it 2-1 to with two second-half goals. Pretty phenomenal. Denmark-Tunisia, they play to a 0-0 tie. Same thing with Poland and Mexico. Lewandowski missing a penalty kick. That game's in, again, game ends up uh, 0-0 as well. Ochoa, big-time save, guessing right on Lewandowski, who can go both ways, uh, but he... Uh, Ended up going the wrong side, and he was upset big time. But that was a fun game, Mexico and Poland. Mexico had a bunch of chances as well. And then France spotted Australia an early lead in the ninth minute. Goodwin got a goal right there in the top shelf of the left-hand side of the goaltender, Lloris. But France, four unanswered goals, and they put 
Australia away 4-1. to one. The Socceroos go down. Rabiot got it going with a goal in the 27th minute to tie that game at 1. And then the old man, Giroud, in that starting lineup because of a couple injuries, gets two goals in the 32nd and 71st minute. In between those two goals, Mbappe got on the scoreboard as well as uh, France rolls the defending World Cup champions, 4-1 to one, the final there. So plenty of action coming up. Big game with uh, England and the United States coming up on Friday. United States, you know, they were the better team, I thought, watching that whole game yesterday. I thought they were the better team talent-wise. They got the early goal by Wea, and uh, then they played, I don't know, rather conservative in the second half, trying to let that one-goal lead hold up. And uh, at the end of the day, they end up making a poor choice as far as going through Gareth Bale in the box, and he gets the penalty kick. Great shot, and 1-1. So USA with one point at least. And uh, now they'll go against England. I think they need at least a point. They need at least a draw. They're, I think talent-wise, they're good enough to hang with England. You look at England's rolling over you know, 6-2, to two, taking care of business against Iran in the first game. But I think all three teams, including Wales and the United States, will take out Iran. So uh, England pouring it on 6-2. to two, So it looks decisive. makes you feel like, ah, does the USA have a shot against England? They do. There's no question. The talent is there. They'll have to come up big. Can't play too conservative, but you want to make sure you get at least a point out of that. If you can get two points and then take out Iran, you're going to have the five points, and that'll put pressure on uh, Wales. And then you're, of course, going to look for a goal differential, and that's what's going to come into play because the two will have drawn, and that's you know, then you'll actually really hope Iran can take out Wales. But we'll see how it all plays out in the United States bracket. It's going to be a lot of fun. And remember, first game starts 2 a.m., then you go 5 a.m., 8 a.m., and 11 a.m. here on the West Coast. So good stuff rolling as far as the World Cup. That got things going. Meanwhile, my good buddy Chris Wynn, we were talking today, UNLV basketball. They played Southern Illinois over there in Southern Cal. They had the late game last night. They didn't tip off, I don't think, till 10:15 at night. But they came away with a late-time victory, game over after midnight. But they knocked off Southern Illinois, rather stagnant second half. But at the end of the day, they're off to a 5-0 and star. Kevin Kruger doing a real nice job there. And the Rebs will play Minnesota in the championship game of that little four-team bracket. Minnesota holding on and getting a win 62-61 against Cal Baptist. They started out that game, the Golden Gophers, 15 nothing. they led that game. And they had to hold on for a one-point victory. I think UNLV should take care of business big time against Minnesota. This is one of the poorer Minnesota teams that I've seen over the years coming out of the Big Ten. All right, let's go to the Rich Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard. couple games as far as Maction going, uh, college football today. No, no games tomorrow, but you had the two games tonight. Ohio U, they did not have Curtis Rourke, their normal quarterback, the guy that's really ignited that team. But C.J. Harris, who's this kid? He came in. He ignited the team. They needed a W to wrap up their half of the Mid-American Conference, and the Bobcats get it done 38-14. to My nephew just getting in town. Steph is here uh, visiting mom, and, of course, his fiance went to Michigan State, but he graduated right there in Athens, Ohio, and his Bobcats take care of business 38-14. to Athens, Ohio, of course, the home of Joe Burrow, but a nice effort by Ohio with a backup quarterback laying five and a half. They roll. How about this? Total was 52, went up to 52 and a half at the Westgate Superbook. There were a couple other places that were at 52, 52 and a half, 53. I only say that because the game landed right on 52. 38 to 14, the final. Ohio U gets the win over Bowling Green. Now, the other Mid American Conference game was big as far as Ball State and Miami of Ohio because both of those teams had five wins. 
whoever got the win in this game was going to be going bowling or more than likely going to get a bowl invitation. Miami of Ohio gets the one-point win at home. They do not cover the two-and-a-half number, and the game stays well under that total of 45 as it only hits 35. 18-17, the backers for the Red Hawks, Miami of Ohio, will take it as they get it done. Ben Simmons back in Philadelphia. No Joel Embiid, no James Harden, but didn't much matter for the Sixers. They win at 115-106. Now, Simmons has been playing really well the last few games. He had a pretty good game tonight. Only 11 points, 7 rebounds, but had 11 assists. Nearly got a triple-double, but it was Philly that gets the win 115-106. to They cover the 7.5-point number. 216.5 was the total. Bet down from 217. Game goes over that total. Hits 221. 115-106. Philly over the Brooklyn Nets. Meanwhile, great game down in Memphis. Sacramento and Memphis. The Grizzlies, 113-109. to Darren Fox getting the better of John Morant. Morant had uh, a couple more points, I think, but it was Fox that had key buckets down the stretch. In Sacramento, nice road win in Memphis, 113-109. They were plus three in the game, and the total was 237. Game stays well under, only hits 222, 113-109, the final there. Meanwhile, Pistons in the Mile High City taking on the Nuggets, 436 to go in the fourth quarter. Denver, a 12-point favorite. They're losing by eight with 4.36 to go. So the boys from the Motor City have come out to play tonight. Keep an eye on that total. Right now the game on an underpaced 2.27.5, only sitting at 198 right now. But again, 4.36 to go. We'll see how it pans out with Denver at home, 103.95. Pistons lead it in the fourth quarter. And at the half, down in the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix, Lakers lead at 55-53 over the Phoenix Suns. Lake Show going in to Phoenix as a nine-and-a-half-point underdog. Anthony Davis having a pretty good first half. 55-53, Lakers lead it. Total 226-and-a-half, sitting at 108. Got a lot of work to do in that second half. Tons of college basketball. And the game I really enjoyed was uh, one right before I came in. Excellent game over from Maui in the Maui Invitational. And that was Arkansas and Creighton. And that was a game for the ages, was outstanding. Now, Arkansas is still missing one of their better players, but nonetheless, this game went back and forth. And Creighton actually in the bonus as far as free throw shooting with about 13 minutes to go in the second half, and they end up winning the game 90-87. to Real fun game to watch. Went back and forth. Musselman, I thought he was going to have a brain aneurysm. He was just blowing a gasket over there on the sidelines with all the fouls being called. And, uh, you know, most of them were legit. Arkansas, uh, a couple ticky-tack fouls, but they went the other way as well. Uh, but some good solid shooting from behind the arc by Creighton. They got that lead, and then Arkansas cut into it. Arkansas got the lead, but down the stretch, Creighton made the bigger plays, and they end up winning the game 90-87. to Tons of games as far as college basketball. Uh, not going to get into all the scores right now, but let's see uh, how much time we got. Well, we got a few minutes. We can duck in some of those scores. Here's the games that are going right now, because I know a lot of you may have money on some of these games. It is Sac State leading UC Davis right now, 240 to go in the first half, 39-27. to They are plus four and that game total 130. It is 49-47. Wright State leading UC Riverside, 11-15 to go in the second half. I called Wright State as a uh, winner in this one just because UCR had such a tough game last night trying to hold on, and uh, Wright State had the earlier game. So I said I thought Wright State and Scott Nagy would get them. We'll keep an eye on this one. Riverside had a nice lead in the first half, but right now 49-47. Red Raiders of Wright State lead at 11-15 to go in the second half. Had a bunch of tournament games as they continue to play all over the country and all over the world, really. You've got games in Cancun and uh, Cayman Islands, 
all these games, uh, four games today starting real early. And Toledo, a big-time favorite for the second day in a row. They get blown out. Well, they lose by nine, but they're laying 11.5, the favorite. And they got beat yesterday as 16-point favorites against UMKC. So Toledo struggling in this tournament. East Carolina beat them 86-75, plus 11.5. Didn't need it. They won by 11 themselves. Game does get up and over the total. 60-56, to Texas Arlington surprises Northern Illinois. They were, or Northern Kentucky, I should say, they were 7.5-point they're uh, dogs in that game, so two dogs getting uh, outright money there. How about UMKC? Plus 10 against Indiana State. Larry Bird's alma mater. Sycamores lose it to UMKC, 63-61. to And then Florida Gulf Coast, the only favorite to win today. They were laying 3.5, beat Drexel, beat the Dragons, 67-59. to So three out of four could have nailed on the money line. A 10-point dog, a 7.5-point dog, and an 11.5-point dog. Put that, those three together, nice little money line parlay. Could have made some good money. Meanwhile, another tournament, this one, the uh, Hall of Fame Classic, uh, Western Kentucky, nice 78-66 win over Illinois State. LSU, 73-58. They were down two at the half, come back, beat Akron as four-point favorites. Tulane, 78-75. They get the best of Rhode Island, but they were laying eight and a half in that game. Do not cover. The roadies get the cover there. And the late game saw Kansas State get passed from the boys up north, Nevada, the Wolfpack, who beat Tulane yesterday. They lose to Kansas State 96-87, the final. Wildcats get the win. San Francisco beat Wichita State in another little tournament uh, over at the T-Mobile Center at the in Kansas City. That score 67-63. The Dons remain unblemished, beat Wichita State. That's the second loss of the year for the Shockers. And Grand Canyon had a huge lead over Northern Iowa. They were laying four. They were up by 16 in this game. They hold on, win it by two, do not cover. Get the win, though, 69-67. to South Dakota 68-58 in their little tournament. Tournament. Sam Houston State blew out Northern Illinois as I get those Northern Illinois guys in this tournament. 88-54. Sam Houston State, good solid team. They have some good wins already against some quality competition D1-wise. I was on IPFW. They beat Eastern Michigan as three-and-a-half-point favorites. They beat Eastern Michigan 74-67 to win in a cover there. And Southern Miss blows out Winthrop. Tough year for the Eagles of Winthrop. Early gate, early out of the gate, they're struggling mightily. 77-52, the final in this game. And uh, right now, Arizona in that last game over there in Maui, leading San Diego State 33-20. to So up 13 early, Arizona. Much to the chagrin of Andrew Fishfane, our buddy. Arizona was up 18 last night. He was laying 9.5. He needed them to close him out. They were up 18 down the stretch. 3.58 to go. They never scored again. They won the game by... Eight, I believe, and uh, Fishfane's five-team parlay went down the drain. Guys just got some bad luck. Him and Chris win, man. Grab those guys, grab their plays, and just go against them. You're going to make some good money. That's right, Marco, giving me the little L sign up on his forehead. <laughs> no doubt. Those guys, just miserable luck. All right, 70-38. to 38. How about Texas Tech handing Louisville their fifth straight loss out of the gate? I looked, and I said, eh, maybe Louisville will come to play. They, were, they got the first three-pointer. They only scored 35 more points in the game. Texas Tech rolls 70-38. to 38. The total was just 128.5. Doesn't even get close. Only gets to 108. And uh, Texas Tech minus 13 gets a nice win there. Ohio State, they embarrassed Cincinnati 81-53. to 53. Nice effort by the Buckeyes. Three-and-a-half-point favorites. And I gave you the Creighton 90-87. to 87. Best game of the day as they nip Arkansas in the semifinal there at the Maui Invitational. Uh, a couple of other games going in and uh, – 
Let me just duck these in, and then we'll jump to a break. We've got St. Joseph's beating South Florida, or South Florida beating St. Joe's, 75-62, and 87-73 UAB pounded Georgia. Big second half there for the Blazers. Auburn, uh, Bruce Pearl's team rolling over the Braves from Peoria as Bradley goes down 85-64 in Northwestern. Nice second half. They were down 10 early to Liberty in that first half. Come back and win it by 14-66-52. Syracuse and St. John's, the old Big East battle going on right now, and this is a tournament from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. In the early game, Richmond took care of the Temple Owl, 61-49. to Right now with 36 seconds to go in the nightcap, Syracuse and St. John's, they are tied at 65. So some good old Big, Big East basketball going on right now, as, of course, Syracuse now in the ACC, St. John's still in the Big East. And Mount St. Mary's surprising Pacific at the Spanos Arena, 11.58 to go in the second half, 53-45. I'll be in the wrong end of that one. I laid four and a half with Pacific. They uh, went off a six-point favorite, but trailing at home on their home court by 8.53 to 45. So, again, a ton of basketball still going. You're in a double overtime game. If you have Alcorn State or UTEP, I'll keep you up on that one. They just started the second overtime, tied at 59. I mean, wall-to-wall college basketball. Real quick, let's uh, duck out what's going on in the ice. Just two games. The Rangers trail after one in L.A. City of Angels. Kings lead it by a score of two to nothing. And Buffalo, big time Time route of Montreal. Wow, up there in Canada, in Quebec. 7-2, to the final Sabres get the win. Total 6.5, naturally, game flies over. We'll keep an eye on that little grand salami because that total was 12.5. You already have 11 goals after one period, Rangers and Kings, so they still have two more periods at least. And uh, if the Rangers can get it even, it's guaranteed to go over the mini grand salami, which is two games on the docket. So quick look at that scoreboard. The uh, college football rankings are out. Chris Megalox Warinsky will join me in hour number two. Mark Hoke will chime in as well. And uh, we'll get in. Mark, of course, my producer, but he's a big-time college football guy as well. And he's happy that uh, North Dakota State, the Bison, crushed North Dakota and covered that spread. And uh, Brad Powers losing that one, playing North Dakota, coming up short. So we'll see how things pan out. Mark keeps us updated on the FCS. Brad Powers follows that closely. Brad Powers had a great week again for all the listeners. I got a lot of texts and uh, emails from people saying, thank you. Are you going to have Brad on? Uh, how are you guys going to do it? Are you going to do a live show Friday? I said, no, we're going to do two shows tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll tape in the afternoon. We'll tape the Friday football fiasco, but that could play on Thursday as well to get you those games for Friday. And then Friday, again, it could come back, and we'll get you all those games for Saturday, Sunday, and Monday to make sure you're covered. And then the guys, uh, Hogan uh, and Fishfain, will be back on Monday. And uh, great show there again on Monday night, Sports X Radio. All right, first segment in the books. Ken Thompson rolling at you as uh, we'll continue to come at you from the PSBR Law Studios. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, that's where we originate. And then on Wednesday nights, like I told you, live at Steiner's Pub. So we have segment number one in the books. We'll keep things rolling as we rock and roll here. It is Sports X Radio live from Vegas at the PSBR Law Studios. Keep it right here. We're coming right back. A little 
Little Boston coming back. Ken Thompson live, PSBR Law Studios in Las Vegas as we are rocking and rolling. Do not forget, if you fall in that demographic between 40 and 72, you're privy here in the Vegas Valley that you have a shot to go see Dr. John Pearson Company at the Preventative Diagnostic Center. We have the only scanner of its kind in the region. It gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart disease, lung disease, cancer. It is the Preventative Diagnostic Center. You can call now, schedule a free educational consultation, 534 7900. You got the 702 down for Vegas, 534-7900, let them know KT SportsX Radio sent you. Comfortable scan just takes a few minutes, and then you get a board, a detailed report from a board-certified radiologist a couple days later. They've got that heart CT scan and calcium score special. That continues to roll. It's a $600 value. Get your heart all checked out. Find out if any of those arteries are clogging up. Guys especially worry about that widow maker. You want to make sure you're clear. Arteries are in good shape. $600 value total, 125 for you. But the better thing, if you have a significant other, they are absolutely free. So a $1,200 value total, $125. Preventative Diagnostic Center, 534-7900. You want to check out the scanner, you can go check it out at pdcenterlv.com, pdcenterlv.com. And again, 534-7900. Early detection is key. Get peace of mind. Take charge of your health. Comfortable scan, like I said, takes just a few minutes. And a couple of days later, you get that detailed report. They actually have one that's typed out for you. And then you also get one on a disc. Worst case scenario, you've got something starting up. You can go get in touch with your uh, doctors and set things up and jump on things. You want to make sure you uh, are proactive as far as your health. You don't want to sit back and just say, ah, I don't want to know, because you do want to know. If you find out you have you know, stage one or two cancer, it'd be great for you to be able to you know, combat that before it's stage four cancer, right? A lot easier to deal with and a better chance of going into remission. They take all those risk factors into consideration, age, tobacco use, whether or not you have high blood pressure, high cholesterol or triglyceride levels, whether or not you're obese, diabetes, family history of heart attack, lack of physical activity, high stress. Look, a lot of us have been under high stress since the COVID days. So get in there, go see Dr. John Pierce at the Preventative Diagnostic Center, 534-7900. All right. Uh, let me see. Lots of stuff going on. Let me get duck in the uh, the soccer schedule for, I should say, this morning. So if you're up and you've got one of those graveyard shifts or you're just getting off, maybe a swing shift, you may be able to take in Croatia and Morocco. That'll be the opener in the uh, four games uh, starting up at 2 a.m. Japan and Germany. Man, I want to get up early. I'm good. This game starts at 5 a.m., but this is a must-see because I think Japan has a pretty solid team this year. And uh, they're a plus 550 on that three-way money line. Germany's still a minus 210. There's no doubt the Germans are favored, but they're an aging German team. And Japan, I think, is going to give them a game. Costa Rica and Spain. Spain, a big-time favorite. My goodness, uh, Spain minus 575. That's on the three-way result. So that means they have to win it in regulation and stoppage time. Uh, the draw is actually plus 600. And if you take Costa Rica and somehow they shock Spain the way Saudi Arabia shocked Argentina today, it's a plus $1,725. By the way, if you wanted to know what that money line was, Saudi Arabia, a plus 1900 at the Westgate Superbook. So if you put 100 down, you would have got 1900 plus your 100 back. Nice little payday right there. And I was just thinking, I, I asked my buddy Chuck out, I said, gosh, when Australia got that first goal, what would it pay for a plus 1900 and a plus 1250 two-teamer? He texted me back, $26,500 on a $100 bet, KT. 
Australia, of course, that lead didn't hold up long. As soon as I texted him and he gave me the uh, the answer, shortly after France went on that onslaught there and ended up winning the game by a score of 4-1. to one. The last game tomorrow in that uh, quadruple header will be Canada and Belgium. Canadians haven't been in the World Cup for a while, but have a pretty good team. But they uh, have a couple major injuries. Belgium, a good solid mixture of young guys and, and veterans and uh, De Bruyne, one of my faves. I mean, they have a lot of quality, big-name players, and they're one of the favorites to win the whole thing. They're a minus 225 on the three-way result, plus 610 is Canada, and the draw is a plus 360. So those are games for, you know, 2 a.m., so it's Wednesday, considered Wednesday over here. And, uh, you know, looking forward to all these games playing out and keeping you abreast of everything going on. Again, don't forget the USA playing on Friday against England, and that'll be a lot of fun. If the USA could somehow beat England, that would just be outstanding. That would pretty much assure them to get out of the group. All right, uh, college football rankings. Again, going to get into these big time in hour number two with uh, Megalox going to join us and uh, producer Mark going to join in as well. Georgia, number one. Ohio State, number two. Michigan, number three. TCU, number four. A lot of people surprised LSU has jumped up to number five, and then USC is sitting at number six. Alabama, seven. Clemson, eight. But I expect Clemson, if they're able to continue on. Remember, Alabama's not going to be in the SEC title game. No matter what, LSU will be playing Georgia. Now, LSU does have a date in College Station coming up this Saturday, and Texas A&M gets two of their better players back on offense. Stewart and A-Chain are both back for this game, so... KT is going to go out and uh, and take Texas A&M, just like I took South Carolina. I had South Carolina on the money line against Tennessee, plus 550. People laughed, but they're not laughing anymore because KT cashed that nice little ticket. 50 got me 600. I'll take it. Every now and then, you got to feel something. That's right. Just uh, uh, every now and then. Now, it got a little dicey there in the uh, third quarter, and I feel bad that Hendon Hooker went out. But when he went out, that game was already in control. The reason I took South Carolina, they were at home, was going to be a big-time atmosphere there in Columbia. But Spencer Rattler is still a very talented quarterback. He just has not really panned out. He doesn't have the great skill position players that he had when he was at Oklahoma. And I just thought, you know what? I'm not sold on Tennessee. I think Tennessee's pretty good. Yeah, people are looking, okay, they took out LSU 40-13. to We'll find out what LSU's made of. This Saturday, it's not a it's not a great Texas A&M team, but they are at home, and College Station will be rocking. So we'll see how that game pans out as well. Uh, Georgia, look, Georgia, they're not a shoo-in to win the title. If people think that, they're mistaken, because this Georgia offense sometimes is atrocious. They went to Kentucky. I mean, if I told you your starting quarterback, Stetson Bennett, he barely threw for over 130 yards, no touchdowns and an interception. I mean, you're going to think they probably lost that game, but their defense is that good, and Kentucky's offense rather stagnant at times. So uh, still, easy cover there for Kentucky of the big number. I had Kentucky plus a big number, Illinois plus a big number. We'll get into the uh, the Michigan Wolverines. They sit at number three behind Ohio State. You want to talk about hometown cooking? That is the worst that I've seen as far as the top four teams. You can say what you want, but go back and watch Illinois-Michigan and in the final drive for Michigan, or in the last five minutes, they got a gift-holding call against Illinois, and they got a gift-pass interference that set them up for a field goal. They got a great field goal kicker. Moody's one of the best in the country, was the Groza Award winner last year. 
But at the end of the day, they uh, they really got some hometown cooking. Now, I feel bad that Quorum got banged up, but I think he's probably going to gut it out somehow and be able to play against Ohio State. We'll talk about that game coming up. And Brad Powers, of course, he and I will do the Friday football fiasco. We will tape that tomorrow, so we'll get all the angles there. Uh, you just have the one game on Thursday on Thanksgiving, uh, the Battle of Mississippi, Mississippi State and Mississippi, and it's Came out today, Lane Kiffin was talking to his players over there at Ole Miss in Oxford, uh, but he and Hugh Freeze are the top two candidates for that job at Auburn. So I don't know what he was telling them, but Lane Kiffin's been known to lie to players before. Oh, I'm not going anywhere. Two days later, he's gone, packing his bags. That's why SC left him on the tarmac in Arizona. I can't blame him. Are you kidding me? All right, uh, we'll get into the college football big time. I want to go back to the NFL, but I just want to update the scores for you real quick just in case you do have money on any of these games. Let me uh, roll on down real quick. Just the games that are going right now. Uh, Lakers and Suns, 78-75 now. Phoenix leads at 2-10 to go in the third quarter. Keeping an eye on that one. Uh, college basketball, 40-33 to at the half. Sac State over UC Davis. Wichita State now up six. Uh, Wright State, I'm sorry, now up six on UC Riverside. 65-59, 2.27 to go in that second half. Uh, San Diego State has closed the gap on Arizona. Arizona had that big double-digit lead at the half in Hawaii. It is 37-33. Aztecs climb back within four, so it should be a fun second half. Syracuse and St. John's overtime. St. John's lead at 73-67, a minute seven to go in that overtime session. And Mount St. Mary's up on Pacific now by 11, 64-53. They came out west, and they've done a nice job getting a couple wins out on this road trip. And I think that's it outside of UTEP leading Alcorn State, man, this will be a bad beat. They were minus six, UTEP was. If you had Alcorn State, game goes into double overtime. Right now, though, UTEP up 71-60, to 60, so you can actually have that plus six. That's where, boy, Andy Isco talked about it. Could there be something provided by the sports books as overtime insurance or, you know, basically you're playing the game and you get the score at the end of, the regu- at the end of regulation, whether it's a total or a side, just waiting for somebody maybe to uh, – Delve into that and see if that's something that can't be offered to the betters. Still 2 nothing. the Kings lead the Rangers. 18.47 to go second period. Underway there in that second period from Los Angeles. We'll keep an eye on that game. We'll go over some of the overnight lines a little bit later. Again, UNLV in action. I didn't see a line up on that game with Minnesota tomorrow, and we'll keep an eye there as things roll on. Uh, let's go back to NFL Sunday and Monday and kind of review things. I was very, very impressed with the way that the Raiders did not quit because it looked like, you know, they were just struggling to get out of their own way. And all of a sudden things going wrong, they're unraveling. They can't win a game. And then Daniel Carlson, lo and behold, misses a field goal. When does that happen? Well, not for a long time, 41 straight field goals he had made, but he comes up big, gets a game into overtime and the Raiders win it with a beautiful fake. I mean, Devontae Adams, I don't know how you lose the best receiver or one of the best in the NFL, but definitely the best receiver on this Raider team. And the guy is wide open. Derek Carr finds him, and the Raiders get the win over Denver. They've beaten the Broncos now five straight, and I think it's seven out of eight. So Raiders really taking care of business in that little uh, matchup there in the AFC West. Going back to Thursday, Titans beat the Packers 27-17. Very impressive game by Tanny Hill and uh, Derek Henry. Uh, just a good, solid Titans team. And 7-3. and three, Four and two now on the road. So they play good ball on the road. The Packers, you know, really have to run the table uh, in my game. Well, they can lose maybe one more game to finish over 500, nine and eight. They're not going to catch Minnesota. Just to have any hope to uh, be in the wild card picture 
you'd have to be nine and eight, but I think it's pretty well a, gone, a foregone conclusion. Green Bay is not going to make the postseason this year. Atlanta got a nice win, put me over that win total. So I got there. The total was four and a half. They got to five. I'm happy because I don't know how many get more games they're going to win. Their schedule's pretty brutal. They may not win anymore. We'll wait and see how it all pans out. But Kuz late 53-yard field goal gave them the win over the Bears. Uh, Justin Fields, another great game if you're you know, having him as your fantasy quarterback because he rushed for another 85 yards and a touchdown. Only threw for 153 in a TD, but... At the end of the day, when the guy's rushing for uh, 75 yards or more per game and getting in the end zone, you'll take it. Buffalo gave up a late touchdown. They also gave up an early touchdown, but they end up beating the Browns 31-23. Still looked like the timing was off a little bit for Josh Allen and the guys, but they got the win in Detroit going there to play that game because of the major snowstorm that hit the Buffalo area. And they did a, they made the right call, the NFL, getting it in there early to make sure that travel time, everything was set up. And Buffalo had a nice contingency. Cleveland, not too far from Detroit. Browns also had a bunch of fans there. And uh, it was Buffalo that gets the win, 31-23. Depends when and where you played. A lot of people tease Buffalo, so end up getting the teaser covered. Covered uh, The Eagles, 17-16, late touchdown by Jalen Hurts. They struggled with the Colts, but they get the win. And you're always going to have a couple of these tough games, especially on the road. If you can win them, it's probably the difference between being a potential one seed and being a wild card or, you know, with Dallas right now, you know, kind of playing pretty good football and there's, a lot of rumors floating around that it's Dallas or the New York Giants that Odell Beckham Jr. is looking at. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in Big D. But 17-16, Eagles get the win. Colts play their second good game under Jeff Saturday. They beat the Raiders out here and lose that one-point game. They'll be on Monday Night Football coming up next week against the Pittsburgh Steelers at home in Indy. Jets, boy, they find ways to lose games. Marcus Jones, late punt return. That'll just crush you, especially if you had the Jets plus three and a half because the game's 3-3 pretty much the whole way. What happens? Less than 30 seconds. Jones takes it 84 yards to the house. 10-3 to Patriots beat the Jets. Just a heartbreak one if you had the Jets plus the points in that one. I had the Saints minus four and a half. It actually dropped a little bit when Stafford was announced the starting quarterback, but Andy Dalton did his job and the Saints closed out the Rams. 27 to 20 Rams kicked a late field goal to uh, get it within one score, but that was it. There was only about seven, seven, eight seconds left. Didn't get the onside kick and the saints hold on, get the win. Saints go to four and seven Rams defending Super Bowl champions dropped to three and seven. That is as bad as it's been for anybody that's won the Super Bowl out of the gate to start three and seven. It's just going to be a tough year for the Rams. But at the end of the day, you got that Super Bowl. You got the Lombardi trophy last year. You'll take it. You know, first one in L.A., so might as well appreciate it and uh, look back, go back, watch some videos and films from last year, and uh, there you'll be. You'll be good to go. All right, so I'm trying to get adjusted here. Got the new clock here and going to keep rolling. Uh, Mark Hoke, do do I go out now? Am I good? Yeah, you know what I'll do? I will. I'll take a a break now. I'll come back, and then I'll take it uh, to near the top of the hour. But we're doing that so we can make sure we get all our sponsors in there and uh, pay attention to that clock so it's a little bit different than I've been doing the last several years. But we'll get used to it. We'll get it rolling. SportsX Radio, we're rocking and rolling live from Vegas, PSBR Law Studios. Keep it right here. Going to come back, talk a little bit more NFL, lots of college football, hour number two. In fact, all college football. We'll talk about the playoff. We'll talk about some of the big rivalry games coming up this week. And also, we'll get the uh, takes from both producer Mark Hoke and Chris megalox Warinsky. We're live from Vegas, coming right back.
right, great stuff. Now I got to ask producer Mark, is that little Richard? All right, good deal. I couldn't. Re- just wanted to make sure I had it right, but I remember uh, my great aunt. She had a great collection of albums, and that was one that I loved it because it just got you up and going, got that mood going, and uh, kind of changes your mood just in case you're a little bit solemn. Yes, it brings you up big time. Great stuff, little Richard coming back. SportsX Radio hour number one as we conclude was talking NFL and uh, the Westgate Superbook has the current odds out to win the Super Bowl. Eagles right now uh, six to one, sixteen to one on the Dolphins. I think that's great value. I really do. I think Miami's still one of those teams that's going to challenge Kansas City, challenge Buffalo. Uh, Chiefs are seven to two, as are the Bills. So those are your two favorites, eight to one on the 49ers. Now that was before last night. So Niners pretty dominant last night against the Cardinals. I mean, backup quarterback Colt McCoy game was close at the half, you know, one touchdown game, but it was all 49ers second half in Mexico city. Are you kidding me? That looked like a better crowd than they get over there in the Bay area. Uh, excellent participation from the fans over there in Mexico city and a pro Niner crowd big time. And they rolled over the Cardinals. Cardinals also end up firing their offensive coordinator. He was actually sent back prior to the game. I actually was just reading on that. Uh, they're in a mess. They're they're a mess. I mean, they're in a world of trouble right there. I don't think Kingsbury's going to last. I think he'll be gone for sure at the end of the year uh, with Kime, the general manager. I think it'll be a package deal. The Bidwells will get rid of both of them. We'll see how it uh, shakes out. But right now, Arizona struggling mightily. I know Kyler Murray was out, and he's missed the last two games. Uh, they won one of those games, lost another. But this team just seems in total disarray. Lions, Chris Wynn, got to give him credit on his Lions, 31-18. to They took out the Giants, and they were in control pretty much the whole way. They were up 17-6 at halftime. It was 24-6 after three quarters, and they rolled 31-18. to Giants a couple, oh, by the way, touchdowns in that fourth quarter. But very impressive. All of a sudden, the Lions have won three straight games. And my other buddy, Larry Ragusa, is sweating it out. Why? He's got a bet with Chris Wynn. He's got the Bears. And old C wins got his lines. Who has the most wins at the end of the year? And the Bears, of course, have given a couple away the last few weeks. Panthers and Ravens, tell you what, you don't like offense, you watch this game. Because this game was as anemic as possible. Lamar Jackson, I just don't understand how they use this guy. To me, yeah, they won the game 13-3. to Defense stepped up big time. But Carolina's offense is... It's tough to watch. In fact, they're going to switch quarterbacks again. Baker Mayfield is out for the game coming up this week for the Panthers. Sam Darnold, who's finally healthy, will get a shot. So it'll be the third starting quarterback, third different starting quarterback for the Panthers. But the Ravens, to me, Lamar Jackson, he just doesn't roll out. I mean, this is a guy who's got great wheels, and he's standing back there just trying to be a pocket passer. I don't get it. I mean, that's why the score was 3-3 after 3 Again, they were they forced three turnovers in the fourth quarter, the Ravens did, and they end up winning the game 13-3. to Still didn't cover the spread, which was uh, 12.5, I think it was. Uh, but they do cover teasers, which helped out because I did have them tease. But 13-3 to the final, but a Ravens team that's 7-3 and and not playing like a team that's, uh, you know, seven wins, three losses. Commanders, that was my biggest play. I like the Commanders a lot. I thought Chase Young was going to be back. They ended up holding him out for another game, but they were in total command early on, got a pick six to start the game off in the first quarter, and 20 to nothing by halftime. They cruised 23 to 10 against the Houston Texans, another team that's woeful to say the least, 1-8-1 for Houston. 
boy, they are just tough to watch. But a, a pretty good run now by the Commanders, and I think this Washington team has an opportunity to make the postseason. People looking at them saying six and five. I don't think that when they get Chase Young back, they're going to be real. And they're going to get some uh, some wins inside that division, I'm pretty sure. And I think the Commanders have an excellent chance to make the postseason. Raiders talked about their 22-16 victory. Adams, that 35-yard touchdown pass in the overtime from Derek Carr. Carr ended up finishing with 307 yards passing, a couple touchdowns. Jacobs on the ground, 109 yards. And uh, Devontae Adams had seven receptions, 141 and two touchdowns. You'll take it. The defense stepped up, played a pretty solid game. And uh, the Raiders out of the gate slowly trailed to seven nothing after that first quarter. Ten seven at the half. Ten ten after three, but they win the game in overtime, twenty two to sixteen. And then the shocker for me, not that Dallas won in Minnesota, but the way they embarrassed the Vikings. Vikings eight and one come off the miracle win against Buffalo, go home. You figure worst case scenario, maybe they're a little flat and they get beat by Dallas. Dallas a good solid squad. 40 to 3? Are you kidding me? 23 to 3 at the half. You figure Minnesota's going to at least make some adjustments. They're going to do something different. They're going to come out, you know, egg on their face at halftime, down 20 points on their home field. No, Dallas scores the next 14, and then the last three in the fourth quarter and roll 40 to 3 over the Minnesota Vikings. Very impressive game by Pollard on the ground and via the airways. Prescott, 22 of 25. Two touchdown passes. I remember those stats, 22 of 25. Who was 22 of 25 in the Super Bowl? That's right. Phil Simms, 22 of 25 against the Denver Broncos in that Super Bowl victory out in L.A. So uh, nice effort, though, by by uh, Dallas over Minnesota. Very impressed by the Cowboys. And when they're healthy, if they get Beckham Jr., I mean, this team, they could be that entry from the NFC. I'd hate to see it. Like Stephen A. Smith, don't want to see the Cowboys in there. But they've got a great fan base, and right now they're playing good, solid ball. Michael Parsons, one of the best players in the, all the NFL, doesn't matter what side of the ball, but definitely one of the best defensive players for sure. Uh, you start my defense with Micah Parsons or Nick Bosa, I'm good to go. Uh, Parsons, to me, a little bit more durable than Nick Bosa. So uh, Dallas, though, taking care of business 40-3. to Wild game in Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and the... Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, Steelers at home, lose it 37-30. to Joe Burrow, four touchdown passes, cruise control there, 355 via the airwaves. And a pretty good game by T. Higgins as well, nine receptions for 148 yards. And then the Chiefs Chargers, I took a shot on the Chargers on the money line. Now, I had them plus the points, and I had them teased as well to the Niners for Monday Night Football. But the Chargers just couldn't close it out. 30-27, to KC gets that last touchdowns, Mahomes to Kelsey, and uh, three TDs for Kelsey on the night. Three TD passes for Patrick Mahomes, 329 yards, and they win it by a score of 30-27, to 27, but a very entertaining Sunday night game. I think the Chargers are going to start to win some games, though, because that was the first one back now that you had Keenan Allen, you had Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, all the guys, the key cogs on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, it's a pretty good offense when they get rolling. And then last night talked about the 49ers rolling over the Cardinals, Again, 17-10 to 10 at the half, but Garoppolo doing his job, four touchdown passes, mixing it up with Mitchell and McCaffrey in the backfield. And what's great about Christian McCaffrey, outstanding receiver out of the backfield. So really like that safety valve there for Jimmy G. And you got to pick your poison. Who are you going to cover? They've got all these solid receivers. And uh, Debo Samuel, another guy that can get it out of the backfield. He can receive it well. And uh, IU playing well, had a couple touchdowns last night as well. It was all 49ers, 38-10. to 10. So brief little look there at the NFL uh, Raiders. 
big game in Seattle coming up late game on Sunday. So we'll see if the Raiders can make it two in a row. And uh, you know what? You just never know. Sitting at three and seven, we'll see how the Raiders close out uh, this Sunday in Seattle. All right, that's going to do it for us in hour number one. Hour number two, it is wall-to-wall college football. Ken Thompson, Chris Warinsky, a.k.a. Megalox, and my good pal Mark Hoke. We're all going to chime in. We're going to look at the playoff situation, and we're going to rock and roll and figure out whether my boys from Troy SC can make it. Hour number one in the books. Keep it right here. We're coming right back live from Vegas. Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 9 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub with three locations. One on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the Strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non-invasive scan today. Day for peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Laborers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com. And by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Now. And hour number two, KT, coming back at you. PSBR Law Studio, SportsX Radio, rolling at you Monday through Friday, 8 to 10, live from Vegas and uh, updating the Rich Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard before we get rolling in college football for the next hour. Suns lead the Lakers 98-90, 6.45 to go in the fourth quarter down there in Phoenix. Again, the Suns 9.5-point favorites, total 226.5, 6.45 left in regulation there. College Hardwood, UC Riverside, nice run inside the last three minutes. Came back and beat Wright State 70-65. to Right now it's Sac State leading UC Davis by a score of 53-47. to Hornets up by 6, 11.40 to go in the second half. Move on down, and we've got... From Hawaii, Arizona 50, San Diego State 45, 13.51 to go second half, the fourth of four from the Maui Invitational. And one more game I believe that I uh, wanted to get in there, if I can find the final. I believe St. John's did hold on. Yes, 76-69, the Johnnies laying three and a half, get the win in the cover against Syracuse. And uh, that was the finale over there at the Barclays Center, 76-69. The old Big East matchup with St. John's and Syracuse. As, uh, no Luke Karnasek any longer. He's uh, gone on to greener pastures. But Jim Beheim's still there for Syracuse, and the Johnnies get it done, 76-69. On the ice, got one game going. The Rangers have tallied twice in the second period, so it's 2-2, 5-0-2 to go in that second period. All knotted up there with the L.A. Kings. Buffalo skated past Montreal in the only other game. On the ice, 7-2 the final, the Sabres. 
with a big offensive effort tonight. So that is a look at the Rich Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard. I'll keep you updated on that Laker game throughout this hour, get you final. Unless it goes three or four overtimes, we should be able to get that in before we get out of here. Producer Mark Hoke, of course, a big-time college football fan, and my good buddy Chris Warinsky, a.k.a. Megalox from north of the border. Both these guys love their college football. And uh, we've got the playoff rankings out, so let's go and delve in there, and I'm going to bring, bring both guys in and get their opinions on some of the stuff that's going on as we uh, roll on through. And I'm just trying to bring them up there. There you go. Okay, so nothing changed from last week. Georgia number one, Ohio State number two, Michigan three, TCU four. But LSU has jumped into that number five spot. Remember, Tennessee was there last week. USC sitting at number six. Bama's at seven ahead of Clemson. Even though Bama has two losses, they're ahead of Clemson, who's at 10 and one. Oregon at 9-2, and two, very fortunate to hold on and beat Utah. Bo Nix, got to give him a lot of credit. Uh, that foot really banged up, but he gutted it out, and they got the win against Utah. And uh, that's where you're at. Tennessee dropped down from 5-10. to 10. Penn State's at number 11, and that's pretty much all you need to know because nobody else, I don't think, is gonna, gotta, has a shot to get uh, into the, into the uh, playoff. I do think Clemson still has an outside shot. As long as Alabama doesn't get in there. I mean, if there's ever any shenanigans where they'd get in there, and I'll tell you, I mean, it's crazy. But you never know. If everybody else screws up badly, whole Saban will be there with his little Coke and uh, just standing there at the podium saying, hey, what about us? We have two close losses. But the loss to Tennessee doesn't look as good now, right? Because Tennessee gets blown out by, you know, 30 points over there in Columbia against South Carolina. Megalox, great to have you on a fat Tuesday, my man. That was my best ticket on uh, Saturday was South Carolina, plus the 23, but then had a little bit on the money line at, at 11 to 1. So, you know, anytime you can hit one of those on a uh, college football Saturday, you're happy. And I just had a feeling that Spencer Rattler was going to play a big game, and he played probably the best game of his life. Yeah, good to talk to you, KT. Yeah, well, that's a, a great call. I was, um, you know, I mean, South Carolina being competitive in that game um, didn't surprise me. I didn't think they were going to win the game, obviously. But, boy, that, the Tennessee defense, I just I, – I, I'm, I'm still a little bit unsure. Like, where did that come from, from South Carolina? Because they haven't really showed that kind of explosiveness. And I know Tennessee doesn't have much of a defense, but to put up over 600 yards and 60 points um, – <laughs> that was a little bit of a shock, but great call and a nice hit. There you go. And uh, and they've got a big game, you know, against Clemson coming up. And nobody on ESPN, nobody even mentioning that game at all. The rankings came out. Nobody even saying anything about South Carolina having an opportunity to beat Clemson. I just want to, you know, start there real quick because I think South Carolina, look, I, I know it's going to be in Death Valley. But at the end of the day, I, I think they still – you know, if they get out of the gate okay, Rattler's probably got some confidence now. They're playing with house money. They're not expected to win. They're going to go in there, and this Clemson team has been anything but impressive, you know, in, say, four or five games this year. Uh, the Syracuse game, very, very close, very fortunate to win that game. The game against Wake Forest, you know, where they had eight pass interference calls. So there's a bunch of games. The Notre Dame game, of course, they got thumped down 28 nothing before they even get on the scoreboard. So I'm not sold Clemson should be a two-touchdown favorite in this game. Look, they can probably get it done if everything clicks for them. Uh, but what's your take on Clemson as a, a one-loss team? Because they're a very fortunate one-loss team, and that's probably why the committee has them behind Alabama, a two-loss team right now. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I did look at this game uh, this afternoon, and I would only I would only play South Carolina in this game. But I have to tell you, after looking at it, the one thing I did notice with South Carolina is that 
offensively, when they played their, the five best defensive teams that they played, they averaged 278 yards of offense. And when they played, you know, everyone else, they averaged 461. So I would put Clemson, they're not an elite defense and maybe not even a great one, but they're certainly good. So their offense tends to get a little bogged down when they play good defenses, uh, particularly those uh, that are strong against the run. So I'm a little, I still need to do a little bit of work on it, but I certainly wouldn't be laying you know, 14 or more with Clemson, given, you know, they're not really explosive on offense. Um, they've had a negative turnover margin, four straight games. So I think the only way to go would be, would be with the Gamecocks, but I haven't got to the window yet. Yeah, because it's in Death Valley, and they could have a letdown after, of course, beating Tennessee. But, you know, would you have, like you said, you'd never have thought that Tennessee's going to give up the type of yardage that they gave to South Carolina and Spencer Rattler. So, uh, you know, it is... Uh, one that at least should be acknowledged. That's that's the only thing I'm saying is that ESPN oh, yeah, and, yeah. and the committee, uh, Joey Gallup, none of, none of these guys, Reese Davis, nobody even mentioned this game. They just talked about Clemson being one spot behind Alabama, but not even looking at this game as being a, you know, a potential hiccup for the Clemson Tigers. If Clemson had been the Clemson Tigers that we saw, say, you know, for the last five years, I get it. They're going to probably take care of business in a big way at home, especially with uh, South Carolina's defense being porous. But, you know, South Carolina coming off the way that they played and Rattler getting some confidence, he was 30 of 37, 438 yards. He averaged 11.8 yards per pass completion. That's pretty impressive stuff right there. Yeah, but I didn't. I, I was. It was. It's good to see. It was good to see because he really. He's been very inconsistent to say the least this season, um, as far as Spencer Rattler that is. So I just think Clemson. You know, they're just. Uh, I, I kind of have to agree with you, just because, like I said, I think they're just not explosive. I mean, I like Shipley, but he's not really an explosive back. That's obviously, you know, they're not really explosive in the passing game either. So, um, yeah, like I said, I think the only. I think two touchdowns is just too much for me to to think about taking Clemson. Yeah, and uh, Mafa had a nice game the one game prior, only had 24 yards rushing in this past one. Mark Hoke, what's your take, uh, Producer Mark, as far as the Clemson Tigers? And sitting behind Alabama, did that surprise you, a 10-1 and Clemson team behind the 9-2 and Alabama team? Not really, because if you see what the committee's been doing, they are really valuing strength of schedule. And when you look at what Clemson has played this year. I mean, the the one good non-conference game that they had, they lost, and they got buried. So, you know, you look at the committee right now, having LSU ahead of USC, once again, that's schedule at this point. Now, that, I think, is going to change as, you know, if SC beats Notre Dame and then uh, plays Oregon in in the conference championship game. So, you know, I'm not surprised to see Clemson behind them right now, but... South Carolina getting that big win against Tennessee helps raise South Carolina's profile. And then they still have North Carolina in the uh, ACC championship game. So they'll have a chance to push themselves up a little bit. And if they would win those two, I would see them going ahead of Alabama at that point. Chris, that uh, mega, how, how much does that hurt uh, Clemson's chances with North Carolina losing last week to Georgia Tech? They jumped up on Tech seventeen nothing, but end up losing the game at home twenty one to seventeen. So that takes away a little bit from you know Clemson playing North Carolina in that ACC title game. You know where you have the undefeated uh, Clemson Tigers inside the ACC and Carolina uh, just the one blemish, but they go down. Or actually, uh, Carolina was undefeated in the ACC as well, and both teams their only loss to Notre Dame. 
Yeah, I think Mark makes a good point, uh, good point about the strengths of schedule. And to be honest, I know Georgia Tech is horrible, but I don't really think that hampers Clemson's strength of schedule because, frankly, they don't have that great of a resume, and they're going to need help to get in anyways. So, And I don't think, frankly, North Carolina, they're kind of off that they shouldn't be, but they have been kind of off people's radar. So I just think Clemson, in, in any in any way, shape, or form, if they're going to get in, they're, they're going to need help. So I'm not really – I'm kind of going to – if Clemson wins out, we'll see what else happens, but I think they're definitely on the outside looking in. Uh, Mark, let me get your take because LSU ahead of USC, and I know you said after SC plays Notre Dame, I mean that's the toughest of their non-conference schedule. LSU, their non-conference schedule, Florida State, Southern, UAB, and New Mexico. And Florida State was the tough one, but they lost that game. Yeah. So that's I. But you're but they still have a a, a stronger profile within the conference. You know the loss to Tennessee, but they you know, they beat Alabama. I mean, they're you know the the SEC raises their profile up as opposed to and and one thing, Ken, that I think you have to look at too is when you start really breaking it down and you say, well, what did the Pac-12 do outside of the conference as opposed to what the SEC or other conferences did? You know, a lot. Of, unfortunately, a lot of the Pac-12 teams when they went outside the conference didn't win their big games. And that's that's a comparison that I think the committee has to look at, and I'm sure they're looking at strength of conferences too, and saying, well, yeah, this team's got one loss, but you know, you start kind of digging a little deeper into it, and you could make a case to a, a good case to put LSU ahead of them right now. But I, like I said, I think if if USC does win out, they they'll probably be in a duel with either Michigan or Ohio State. So. All right, so Chris, here's the thing. I'm going to uh, I'm going to take another shot like I took on South Carolina. I'm going to take a shot on Texas A&M to beat LSU. And it's only because I feel like LSU is dismissing Texas A&M that they're not worried about this game at all. A&M gets a couple of their starters back in the backfield and receiver uh two of their leaders, and it's a game where it means just it's basically the the college station that crowd will still be there it's the last game it's a miserable year but recruiting wise one of the best class, in fact the top class uh you know so they had some problems suspensions eight guys are suspended now a couple other guys were injured but they get uh a chain and stewart back for this game and i i just have a feeling that lsu is going to lose this game uh it, again it's college football it's home field, home field environments, and I look for good environments where a team has nothing to play for except this particular game. That's why I like South Carolina against Tennessee. I thought that was it. That was their Super Bowl, basically, uh, you know, and I thought I'd get their best effort. I think I'm going to get the best effort from Texas A&M, so I therefore think that they have an opportunity to take out LSU. Now, I am impressed with the way Brian Kelly has gotten the Bayou Bengals ready for their games. Uh, the Florida State game, uh, I totally get why he went for the extra point there, so I'm, I'm giving him a mulligan there, and that was a great game, uh, his opener as far as an LSU coach on Labor Day. And look, he's only lost one game since then, and that was to Tennessee. And we all thought Tennessee was that team, and sitting at number five, a lot of us thought that they're going to be that team that's sitting there idle, doesn't have to worry about being involved in the SEC title. As soon as Michigan or Ohio State, one of those two lose head-to-head, Tennessee's going to slot into that four spot but they get their doors blown out. And it just it's the beauty of college football that just when you think you have things figured out, you don't. 
Oh, 100%. And I certainly I certainly wouldn't talk you off of uh, A&M. I'm not sure, obviously, you know, they're a 10-point underdog for a reason. I wouldn't talk you off the money line. Um, I'd prefer to just uh, – I, I probably wouldn't be that bold. I'd probably just take take the points. Um, I think I like your I, – I like the idea of taking them as a dog because – I mean, they're not making a bowl game, so this you know, these two teams hate each other. So you're going to get a max effort. I think you're like you said, they get some important pieces back and healthy. Quarterback starting to settle in. Um, LSU certainly didn't look great against Arkansas, and, and they're rotten defense. So it's I just think Jane Daniels is just going to make enough plays, and, and the LSU defense will be tough enough in the red zone that you know. LSU, I, I certainly think that they A&M can cover, but I think at the end of the day, LSU is going to squeak this one out. Yeah, both teams playing in the rain. LSU taking care of business in a big way against UAB. Brad Powers giving out a great stat as far as UAB, so that was a big play that he gave out for the listeners. And then A&M, ugly game, 20-3 to against UMass, but the rain came into play. They outgained UMass 404-168, to uh, but they lost four of five fumbles, and that'll uh, – Stymie drives every single time. We'll see if A&M can at least give LSU a game. Yeah, the points are better. I'll just sprinkle a little bit on the money line. It's just one of those oh, feelings. Yeah, it never hurts to sprinkle. Yeah, yeah exactly. Got to got to have a little fun. And uh, <laughs> but uh, but I do but I do give A&M a shot to beat them. I'm I'm saying it, LSU's favored by double digits for a reason. But I just think that. I mean, I'm sorry, LSU's favored by double digits for a reason, but I just think A&M has at least a shot. They'll have to get off to a good start. We'll see how uh, that all pans out. Georgia, number one team, no surprise there. Their defense flexing its muscles. Not a lot of uh, tackles for losses, not a lot of uh, you know, sacks. Uh, had one sack and a couple tackles for loss there in the win against Kentucky. But they slowed down Rodriguez, and that's basically what you have to do. Levis and the guys made some mistakes, and – uh, turned the ball over, and that interception in the end zone uh, that was returned about 60 yards, that was a key backbreaker there for Kentucky as they were trying to you know, get a little bit of uh, uh, cushion there uh, against a very good Georgia team. We saw Georgia struggle with Missouri. They struggled offensively against Kentucky. They didn't put up a lot of yardage. In fact, uh, Mega, if I told you Stetson Bennett was going to throw for 116 yards and an interception, no touchdowns, and only rush for 25 yards, you probably figured Georgia was in a lot of trouble and probably uh, be pressed to win that game. I'm, I don't know. I'm really starting to get a little worried about Georgia. I mean, this is actually a really, this is shaping up to be a great playoff because there isn't to me right now, like the invincible team, like the team like, Oh boy, I can't see anyone beating them. Cause there has been really one of those teams pretty much every year for a while. I, they just, they're turning the ball over. Like they're pretty sloppy on offense. They just don't have the, I don't know if they just don't trust Stetson Bennett enough. They're just relying on their awesome defense. Um, so yeah, they're, they're kind of making me a bit nervous right now. I have to be honest. I, I'm, as far as this week's game, you know, I'm, I'm never going to lay five, five touchdowns. That's for sure. And Georgia Tech plays good enough defense. Um, but I don't think they want to go into the SEC championship game um, playing as poorly as they looked against Kentucky. So um, they could probably name the score here, but I'm not going to be betting that game. Mark Hoke, uh, producer Mark, two out of three. Georgia Tech has won, including that 21-17 win at North Carolina. They're at Georgia. going to be tough for uh, the Rambling Wreck to hang in there. But, heck, another team playing with house money. They're not going to beat Georgia. But will they give them a game? Would you take the 36 points? I would. Absolutely. I, th- I think Georgia Tech has, you know, since they switched coaches, has been generally playing some pretty respectable ball. And this is still a rivalry game. I, Georgia Tech's not going to lie down for these guys. There's no way. 
I, I think this game, I mean, it's 30, that's a ton. That is a ton in a rivalry game like that. And Georgia just seems to have found a way sometimes to play down. You know, like like Megalock said, I mean, that, there's some concerns there offensively. So, I and you know, Texas just coming off beating a, a North Carolina team is probably going to end up in the you know, top 15 or so. So, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I think I'd put a little money on Georgia Tech with those points. There you go. All right. Uh, we'll see how it uh, shapes up there. And, again, the interim coach, he pulled Zach Gibson and put in uh, Fumachan, who had a four-yard touchdown run, and they actually had three rushing touchdowns. Hall and Smith also got in the end zone. And Georgia Tech coming back from 17 down, win at 21-17 against North Carolina. Georgia struggled offensively, but they shut down Kentucky after the first quarter and a half, outgained the Wildcats 363-295. to Not a distinct advantage but Kenny McIntosh was pretty special, 143 on the ground and a touchdown to lead the way for the number one Bulldogs. All right, let's get into the Big Ten, Chris. Uh, your take on Ohio State. I had Maryland plus the points. I got 28 points with the Terps. I thought Talia Tungavailoa, especially coming off being shut out in their game prior to against Penn State, that they were going to at least you know, be competitive on offense. I thought, you know what, if they can put up 17, maybe they'll cover the 28. All of a sudden, you look up, and they're right there. They've got Ohio State on the ropes late second half. Buckeyes get it done, and then they get an oh-by-the-way touchdown, which if you played uh, Ohio State in the second half like I did, you're very fortunate because that's what covered the line there, that late touchdown in the waning seconds. C.J. Stroud, not great stats, 241 and a touchdown, uh, but Dallas, Dallin Hayden stepped up big time with three touchdowns on the ground because they've been banged up as far as a couple of their top running backs. Uh, Travion Henderson did get back in the game, but Hayden really had a big-time game, and that helped out. Uh, Eichenberg, outstanding linebacker, continues to lead that defense, and they'll go up against Michigan. But I was impressed with uh, Talia Tungavailoa and also Mike Loxley as a coach because I haven't been able to say that. As a head coach, Mike Loxley, what he did at New Mexico was atrocious. He got that experience over there with Saban when he was the offensive coordinator there. But I thought he did a pretty good job coaching that game. And Maryland found themselves in a, in a, in a position where they actually had a chance to upset the Buckeyes. How impressive was that to you? Yeah, it was. I mean, I mean, Maryland's been. Uh, I mean, they've you know they've they've dealt with some injuries at the quarterback position. Like you said, I mean, they're they, he's you know one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten, and um, when he's healthy, I mean, Maryland look well. Look at the game they gave Michigan earlier in the season. So I'm not surprised. I had him on a season win total over, and you know they hit that. And um, they're not a great team, but they're certainly like they're very competitive. They've proven now that they're a very competitive. Uh, Big Ten squad. I don't know how what's going to you know if they can keep up as far as you know year after year when they lose uh, when they lose their quarterback. But um, yeah, I was impressed. I was actually uh, quite a bit surprised. But on the other hand, you know you got it's, it's that's just one of those games. I think for Ohio State again, maybe looking ahead a bit a bit to Michigan. So I, I don't really take much away from you know Ohio State too negatively in terms of how they'll do this week though. All right, we will talk about that game. We'll also talk about the Michigan-Illinois game. Very fortunate the Wolverines able to escape the big house with a two-point win against the Illini. Ken Thompson, producer Mark Hoke, and our good friend Chris Wierinski, a.k.a. Megalox, live from Vegas. Take a break, pay some bills. We'll be right back. Uh, 
Mark Hoke spinning the hits here on a Fat Tuesday. KT rocking and rolling in PSBR Law Studios. Little Velvet Revolver coming back and talking college football. Playoff rankings are out. It's not good if you took the Lakers plus the nine and a half tonight. It looked good for a while, for a long while. You get nipped by the old hook. If you had Phoenix minus nine and a half, you got a gift. 115-105. It is a final. Phoenix gets the win. Game stays under the 226 and a half. And how about those Pistons? They held on for dear life and got the win in the Mile High City. They were plus 12. Didn't need it. They win it outright 110 to 108 over Denver. Total 227 and a half. That game also stays under the total. Gave you the Kings over the Grizz in Memphis. 113-109. Three-point dog. Kings win it by four. And the Nets in Philly. Ben Simmons going back to the old stomping grounds. He didn't play poorly, but no Embiid, no Harden. Didn't much matter. Philly gets the win, and they were seven-and-a-half-point home dogs. They win it by nine outright in a game that also gets up and over the total. Only two college football games saw Maction with Ohio U, 38-14, getting the win with a backup quarterback. C.J. Harris was impressive as they roll over Bowling Green, 38-14. to And Miami of Ohio, they'll be bowling as they nip Ball State Both five-win teams battling to get a bowl bid, and it's Miami of Ohio that's going to be getting that bid. And I believe that's in the Bahamas that uh, they'll wrap up a spot for that. 18-17, not too bad to go from Ohio to the Bahamas for the uh, month of December sometime there. Uh, College basketball, only a few games rolling. UC Davis now up 5-71-66 on Sac State, 243 to go second half. Big turnaround there by the Aggies. Moving on down, and uh, we've got Arizona now has really opened it up against San Diego State. Remember, this game got real close at half, just a four-point lead for the Wildcats, but now they've gone on a big run and lead the Aztecs by 17 big ones, 76-59, to 4.53 to go in the second half. That's the fourth of four at the uh, Maui Invitational, and the last game was the, the uh, third game was the best of the four. Creighton beating Arkansas 90-87. to and I believe that's it. Everything else is final. Rangers now do lead L.A. 3-2 to two as the Rangers get uh, three goals in the second period in Los Angeles. A race of 2-0 deficit against the Kings. And Trail just are now lead it by a score of 3-2. to two. And that is after two. Keep an eye on that game before we get out of here. May have uh, close to a final score there. All right, Ken Thompson, Chris Warinsky, a.k.a. Megalox, and, of course, producer Mark Hoke talking some college football. Playoff rankings are out, and uh, it is Georgia number one. No surprise there. Ohio State two, Michigan three. Those two teams will battle this weekend. And, of course, number four, TCU. What a game with the Horned Frogs at Baylor in Waco. But let's go back to Michigan. They remain unblemished. Tell you what, Chris Wierenski, look, I know the Big Ten has a rooting interest as a conference. They want to get in there. They want to get part of the big payday to get in the playoff. Well, it was evident to me by watching the last six minutes of that Michigan game, some of the calls. Illinois' defense played really well, kept them out of the end zone, forced them to field goals, but there were a couple key penalties. There was a pass interference call. There was also a holding call on Illinois on their final drive. Both were phantom calls. And uh, both helped Michigan get in position to set up the best field goal kicker in the country, Moody, for a couple field goals. He's still got to make them, but very impressive. But I thought the uh, the refs were totally on the side of Michigan. And I, I just don't like to see that. I Look, if Michigan lost, they'd still have a chance to upset uh, upset Ohio State this week at the horseshoe. But because they would have lost, that would have dropped them out of the top four and would not guarantee the Big Ten really an opportunity to have an 11-0, a 12-0 team after this Saturday. 
heading into the Big Ten championship game? The, it was definitely a bit sketchy. Um, I don't know if you remember if, or if you got a chance to watch any of the uh, Purdue-Illinois game, but it was kind of the same thing where it was just nonstop at seeing pass interference and holding calls on, on Illinois. So I don't know if it's just that they're really physical and I don't have a keen enough eye to you know to, to notice that and the refs do, but certainly it, looked, it certainly was some serious home cooking. Uh, that's for sure. Um, I don't know what else to say. Mark, did you see that game, Illinois-Michigan? No, Ken, I've been doing all this work here at the KDWN. Oh, there you go. That's okay. what I do. All right. Well, I, 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 but it, but I did see the highlights, uh, okay. and 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 you know the one thing to keep in mind too is that uh, Blake Corum, you know, got knocked out of that game. So yeah, you know, that's late, certainly, late in the game, late late third quarter. Though, yeah, I mean that's that was not helpful for Michigan either. But you know, I I have a lot of respect for Michigan. I think that they are a very gritty, physical team, and you know, but I I. I really picked up a lot on Illinois, too. I mean, to me, that team was kind of skating on thin ice all year. And to be able to go into the big house and do what they did, that really showed me something that, you know, when they get into bowl season, someone's going to have their hands full with those guys. And, you know, Bielema's got them playing well. And, you know, maybe next year they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the Big Ten. Finally. Mega, real quick, uh, your take. Blake Corum, would you rather have Blake Corum or Chase Brown? Because I'd rather have Chase Brown. I think Chase Brown's one heck of a blue-collar runner, and he had the bigger game on Saturday. Yes, Corum got hurt, but prior to that, he was still having a big-time game. And this kid's almost 1,600 yards with an offense that's, you know, run first, pass second, nine touchdowns on the ground. I like this kid a lot. He's a blue-collar player, and he had Michigan on the ropes with that late touchdown. Oh, he's, um, he's, I mean, uh, it would be a shame he's probably not going to, but it's a shame if he doesn't get a, a Heisman invite. I mean, he's obviously running the ball, uh, catching the ball out of the backfield, blocking. I mean, he's he's the total package. Um, I mean, Illinois doesn't, well, obviously, let's be honest. I mean, would Illinois even be ball eligible without his work this year? As good as the defense has played, I doubt it, right? So uh, he's just been phenomenal to watch all year. No doubt about it. Yeah, you're right. He wouldn't. They wouldn't be anywhere without him on offense. Uh, Billum has done a pretty good job. They've lost a couple games that, they probably should have won, but end of the day, you got to take care of business on the scoreboard. Uh, I thought they got jobbed over there in Ann Arbor, though, and I thought they were the better team on Saturday for most of that game. But Michigan gets the W. Ohio State gets the W at Maryland. And then the number 4 team, TCU, boy, they struggled mightily, and uh, they end up getting a win, one of the most exciting ends to a game. Why? Because TCU did not have any timeouts. And, you know, Mega, I got to say this, when the running back took the ball and, uh, you know, it's about 20 seconds, 20 some odd seconds when they started the play, clock running, uh, he's kind of like nonchalant, like getting up, like going back to the huddle, but it's fourth down. So you can't just go back and spike the ball. You've got to get that field goal team on. And I think then all of a sudden it dawned him like, holy crow. And it looked like, you know, a fire drill, just running guys to one side and other guys coming in there. The kicker remained composed there for TCU. He had missed an extra point, which really put them in the position that they were in and uh, comes up big with the field goal, 40-yarder right down the middle and uh, sends the Horned Frog faithful home happy and keeps them unblemished. Very, very impressive effort by TCU on the road, and Baylor played an outstanding game. You thought it was going to be that type of game. That's why that line flip-flopped and was anywhere from one and a half points both ways. But a fun game to watch, especially if you didn't have a uh, a rooting interest as far as money on it, because it's one of those where you'd have a cardiac arrest if you had money on either side. 
could you imagine being a TCU fan this year? Because it just seems every game has, has been like that. I mean, they've been they just managed to gut a lot of them out. And as you know, I'm you know I, I I think pretty highly of them to be honest. And what that field goal showed me too was just it's just I mean he uh, you know they Sunny Dyke said that they they practice that and it's just that is coaching, right? You just see so many teams that they can't even do the basic things right and how calm and collected they all were. They go off, the field goal unit comes on, there was no false start, and like you said, the kicker just stripes it right down the middle. I mean, that's the composure that the kids had. I think even if you're a Baylor fan, you sort of have to respect the fact that they did what they did what they did in the in the final second so good on them yeah griffin kell was that kicker uh again he missed an extra point but nails the 40 yarder and that's what was cool because when the holder was set and looked back at him you could see there was still six seconds yes it was ticking down but he made sure not to rush it to make sure that everybody on the line was set because if they get called for a penalty there that's it game over and they're in a lot of trouble so they go to 11 and 0 mark hoker uh producer mark uh kind of Tell me your feeling on what Sonny Dykes has done in his first year coming over from SMU, going to Fort Worth. What a job, huh? Unbelievable. And the one great thing about TCU, if they manage to get to the playoff, where maybe some of these other teams haven't been as battle-tested, TCU has been in a lot of close games. They're going to know how to win these games. And you know, you look down that schedule that they played, You know, the SMU game, SMU has turned out to be a pretty solid team, and you know, they blew out Oklahoma. Kansas was ranked. Oklahoma State has kind of fallen off a little bit, but they were ranked at the time. Kansas State, they'll probably see them again. Uh, you know, in Texas beating them, and they may see them again. And, you know, the, the the Big 12 was a pretty darn good conference. You know, I don't know if they're, if you can call anybody there totally elite, but boy, I'll tell you, you got you could put that conference against anybody right now and, you know, expect a lot of wins. It'll be interesting. Kansas State right now has the inside track. They got to take care of business against Kansas. They do that, and they'll be in that title game with TCU. And they've got a couple quarterbacks. One, of course, Adrian Martinez, and he's been beat up, so he's missed out. But Howard stepped up and done a, done a nice job. So they're pretty fortunate that they have uh, two pretty good quarterbacks there. So we've got a, a bunch of big games. Uh, let's go back to USC, though. Uh, very fortunate to beat UCLA. This was a game back and forth, back and forth. And SC down 14 nothing out of the gate. They tie it at 14. And I did say this, uh, Mega. I thought that they wouldn't hurt as much in the backfield as people thought. First three games of the year, Austin Jones split time with Travis Dye. He didn't run as hard and and maybe didn't get those uh, extra two or three yards uh, being as physical as Travis Dye was. And maybe that's why uh, Lincoln Riley decided to give Dye the the job and the bulk of the carries. But he stepped up nicely in that game, 120 yards, two touchdowns. He had another 57 on four receptions. And I thought he was big time against UCLA out of the backfield, taking pressure off uh, Caleb Williams, quarterback, who did a real nice job, threw for 470, did turn it over once uh, with the interception. But SC now plenty plus 20 in the turnover department, got the key interception at the end like they've done in several of their games to make sure that they came away victorious. And they did get healthy as far as the receiving core. They got Mario Williams back. Now, he only had one receiver, 15 yards, but Jordan Addison stepped up big time, had 11 catches for 178 and a touchdown. And Kyle Ford has stepped up nicely. This kid coming out of nowhere, uh, they've just got so much depth there at the receiver position. And SC now plus 20 in the turnover department, plus 12 in the sack department with Tuli Tui Peloto leading the way there with 11. 
11 and a half sacks. So SC did what they needed to do against UCLA. And uh, again, fortunate that they were able to get three interceptions off DTR. Dorian Thompson Robinson, the kid from right here in Vegas, Bishop Gorman, uh, struggled in some key situations. And that's two weeks in a row. He struggled against Arizona and threw that, uh, threw a couple, couple picks in that game as well. Your take on SC with the offense, they're going to go against Notre Dame. We'll get into that game. But against UCLA, it was pretty much maybe who has the ball last, but it didn't turn out that way because UCLA did have their last chance to go down and, and, and beat SC after they stopped Caleb Williams and company. But that was still an exciting game. I don't know how many people on the East Coast stayed up and watched it, but it was a lot of fun for me as an SC fan to uh, exhale at the end of that game just knowing that they beat the Bruins. I thought it was going to be that type of game, and I thought if they were going to win, it was basically get out the abacus, you're going to have to outscore them. That was that was that was one of the top three games for me personally to watch as far as entertainment value all year. I stayed up for every minute of it, and um, I got to tell you, I mean, well, I think you nailed it with USC. Like, I mean, I kind of thought the same thing as far as you know Travis Dye at running back. I mean, it never hurts to lose him, but when you have an offensive line like that and you have a system like that and a quarterback like that, I mean, you can lose a piece or two and still still be just fine. So the offense, obviously, I, I have no worries, and they're they're peaking at the right time. And as far as defense goes, I mean, they still lead the Pac-12 in sacks, and they're athletic on defense enough that they're going to force turnovers. I mean, they're not going to finish plus 35 in turnover margin, right? Um, but they're they're athletic enough, and they force enough uh, negative plays that, I mean, I, I don't see them. And Caleb Williams, what has he thrown? Two interceptions all year? Or Sorry, I guess it would be three now after the one against UCLA, but... Um, they're playing right now. USC, as far as like who's who else is peaking? Ohio State really isn't. Georgia isn't peaking. Um, TCU's just been kind of solid all year. So I'd love to see uh, USC get in there and uh, get some new blood in the playoff. There you go. Caleb Williams, 33 touchdown passes, does have the three interceptions. Yeah. Uh, on the ground, though, Travis Dye was that guy, but now Austin Jones has 455 yards and five touchdowns on the ground. Dye himself, 316 on the ground and seven more touchdowns. So you're right. He's accounted for 40 touchdowns, 33 via the airwaves, and seven on the ground himself. And here's how the playoff situation works out uh, for USC. We know they're here in Vegas, right here at Allegiant Stadium on Friday, December the 2nd. They'll play one of three teams. There's still three teams alive. If Oregon beats Oregon State, they're in. If Oregon loses, then Washington needs to beat Washington State. They also need, of course, Oregon State to beat Oregon. And then they also still need Cal to beat UCLA. If Cal doesn't beat UCLA, then they would need UCLA to win and also Colorado to beat Utah. So really tough for Washington to get in there. Uh, but Cal could beat UCLA. I mean, based on the letdown that the Bruins are going to have, here they were, you know, cruising along. All of a sudden they lose to Arizona, and then they lose to USC, both those games at home. So going to be tough for UCLA and Chip Kelly to get that team up for uh, practice this week and then, you know, take on Cal up there in Berkeley. Mark Hoke, your take on USC, uh, that game with UCLA. And what about uh, Oregon, Washington? Because Utah still has... The long shot, the Utes have to beat Colorado, and they need both Oregon and Washington to lose. And even if that all happens, they then need UCLA also to beat Cal. Uh, all those, all three of those things have to happen for Utah to get in there. But it looks like, for all intents and purposes, like Oregon has the best shot, but they're going to play a tough Oregon State team. And Bo Nix didn't look like he was in any shape to play anybody at the end of that game. Uh, Mark, your take. 
do I have to put my left sock on my right hand and we do a couple of coin tosses that also have to land a certain way for that scenario to happen? On the side, that's right. Good Lord. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. Now, but I, I, I like the way USC is playing right now. I, they, If they do get into the playoff, they're, they will not be an easy out. I mean, it would probably end up with, if everything holds, you'd probably see them play in Georgia, and, and they might give Georgia a little bit of a fit just because they, the offense has been clicking. I, you know, Great game against UCLA. Um, as you know, Ken, I know you're a Trojan man, so I'm sure you were thrilled to see that happen, right? The old yeah. Trojan man. That's it. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I like the way UCLA's playing. And, uh, you know, but it'll be, if, if they get Oregon, that is, that's going to be a wild one. I, you know, but Oregon's still got to survive going to Corvallis, which won't be easy. But I, I do like Oregon's chances. And, and if you're a USC fan, you're rooting to get Oregon in there. You want the highest ranked team you can get, bolster your schedule. As long as they get past Notre Dame, you know, that and then beating Oregon, that should be enough, I think, to jump them over LSU. Unless, of course, LSU wins the uh, SEC title and then all hell breaks loose. There you go. All right, Mega, let me start with that game because Notre Dame, there's no doubt that this team is, uh, you know, up for big games. They've come up big time. They they dominated Clemson up 28 nothing before they put it on cruise control there in South Bend. They were home for that game. Uh, but they've taken care of business. They went to Chapel Hill and dominated North Carolina as well. Uh, in fact, what I'll do is I'll take a break real quick, and then I'll come back and I'll go over the big games against the spread, courtesy of the Westgate Superbook, with both my good pal Chris Wierenski, a.k.a. Megalox, and, of course, Mark Hoke, my producer. Uh, get their take on some of these as we wrap things up. SportsX Radio here on a Fat Tuesday. Keep it right here. We're coming back live from Vegas. Uh, yeah, a little everybody dance now. Now, we'll save this one for March Madness down the line. Lots of college basketball. UNLV back in action tomorrow against Minnesota over there in SoCal. Uh, go Rebs. Kevin Kruger's got that team playing good ball undefeated so far in the early going. Ken Thompson wrapping things up on a fat Tuesday tomorrow night live at Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo. Make it on down. Come see me. I've got uh, appetizers for the first two people to come up to the table there after 7 o'clock. I'll be all set up by 6.30, but get there first two after 7. I'll buy you a free appetizer. And the lamb chops, trust me, are the best. There is nobody better. And that's, I know, Mark Hoke, I know yeah, I yeah, owe Ken, you. Ken, Ken, can I stop by for an early Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah, you can, man. Who's going to be you running can, the board? I, I didn't, well, I'm just wondering if you're going to, if you're going home or you're staying up here for Thanksgiving. Oh, no. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to be uh, heading down. I uh, haven't seen the family in three weeks, so I'm going to go down and, uh, you know, enjoy at my brother-in-law's a uh, little Thanksgiving. So There you go, buddy. Yeah, be good. Be good stuff. But uh, wrapping things up here with you and Chris Wierenski, Megalox, and want to get to some of these games coming up on Saturday, Friday and Saturday. I didn't even uh, pay attention to which games are which, but I do know SC's playing Notre Dame. And that line, Chris, as I'm I'm trying to grab the lines here, uh, USC was a six-point favorite last. I saw it drop down to five, uh, five-and-a-half, somewhere in that. I'm scrolling through the lines. But what do you have? Uh, right now I'm seeing five-and-a-half at the Westgate Superbook, 64-and-a-half. 
Who do you like in that one, Chris? Is this one you're going to stay away from? You're going to take a shot at the Irish because they've come up big against big time opponents, or are you going to take a shot on SC? Yeah, well, I mean, I like them. I did like them against Clemson, um, but I, I, I don't know if that if that strategy is going to work <laughs> this week against USC. I think they're going to have to be a, li- a little spicier on offense. Although you and the problem with this game for me, and why I think I'm going to stay off it, is just like you said. I mean, they've handled business in Notre Dame. I mean, they've uh, against their the three best teams on their schedule. They've covered every time, and they're two and one. Uh, Clemson, Ohio State, and uh, UNC. So, I mean, that's not a bad. Uh, <laughs> Uh, three teams there. So I, I have to be honest, I'm just going to sit back and watch that game, and I am cheering for your Trojans. You know, and, and, and then Mark, producer Mark, you look back, and Notre Dame's got to be kicking themselves because mm-hmm. they played Ohio State tough in the opener, but then they lose to Marshall at home, and they lose to Stanford at home. I mean, if they had wins in those games, we'd be talking about Notre Dame having an opportunity to be in this playoff. Yeah, absolutely. That is, I mean, if you think Everyone about that. Everyone would love that. Oh, I mean, what a... I mean, I watched. I got to see the Marshall game, and I just cringed watching that. I mean, nothing against Marshall, but holy cow, what was Notre Dame doing? But you know, you have a new coach, and sometimes you're going to have hiccups when you have a new coach, and he's somewhat, you know, he's inexperienced as a head coach too. So, you know, but yeah, that would have been nice. But this is such a pivotal game for everybody because it's it's really going to assign the final value of where we see Notre Dame. Uh, if if they beat USC, boy, does that make Ohio State's win over them look huge. Oh, it helps Clemson big time, too, because it helps them saying, okay, we lost to Notre Dame, but look how good they are. They just went to SC and beat SC. Yeah, I mean, it, well, to me, it gives Ohio State insurance. If Notre Dame wins this game and Ohio State loses to Michigan, they're going to say, well, nobody else could beat Notre Dame. We did it. So that's going to help them tremendously. So this this is going to be a fun game, but I, I like USC. I think they're going to pretty much uh, have their way with them offensively. All right, we'll see how that one pans out. Okay, so let's move on down to LSU minus the 10 against Texas A&M. Uh, Mega, you said you'd take a shot potentially on A&M. What about you, producer Mark? Would you take the uh, the 10 or would you lay the 10 with LSU? I think I'm on LSU. I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I and I think very good rationale. But I think Brian Kelly is going to be staying in the locker room saying, guys, we are two wins away from probably playing for the national championship. We can't let these guys get in our way. I mean, if I was coaching them, I've been there. I've I've lost as a coach. I lost a game that cost me a championship late that I shouldn't have lost. He is going to make sure that they are focused. And I think LSU is going to take them out. Chris, what about Iowa State? They're at TCU. TCU uh, could go to 12-0. and They're minus 10 in their game. Iowa State loses at home to Texas Tech. They outgained them 422-246. to But it was like watching paint dry with that offense. I mean, they played so well in between the 35s. Once they got close to scoring territory there, the Cyclones kind of stepped on their own feet. Uh, Now they, you know, it's a decent defense. They go to TCU, 47 and a half. I just have a feeling Max Duggan's going to open things up. Now they are a little banged up TCU right now uh, with their running back and a couple of their receivers. Uh, Hopefully everybody's able to go. Uh, But as as I was looking at the injury report, Quentin Johnson, and he really turned that ankle. So he may not go. Darius Davis, also their number three receiver, is questionable. And then Kendry Miller, uh, he's questionable. He left last game. Uh, they're okay. They have DiMarcato there, but he's not as good as, as Miller. Your take on TCU, minus 10, 47.5 at home in Fort Worth. 
Well, yeah, I liked Iowa State last week, and that game was painful. I felt like I played that game. Two missed field goals and two goal line stands against them. <laughs> like you said, they moved the ball down. And they just couldn't punch it in. Um, they have a way of, ma- of of mucking up games, don't they, as double-digit dogs, and they're not double-digit dogs often. But I think, frankly, TCU is going to be happy with a one-point win. So I, I, I'm not touching this game, and I just don't. Iowa State still has the best defense in the in the Big 12, so I think I'm just going to probably take a pass on that one. Mark? I think that's a very good decision. I mean that that's hard to believe that a, that that's a last place team. I mean they're they're pretty solid. I, yeah, this this might be a little closer than everybody wants it, but I I think TCU is going to roll them and get ready for the, their shot, big shot here. All right, about a minute and a half to go. Mega, what about it? Ohio State in the horseshoe minus seven and a half, fifty six and a half against Mason Blue. Michigan comes a calling. I gotta lean to Ohio State here. I mean, Michigan, the last three games, fifty-three percent completions or worse. We don't know about Blake Corum. Um, they played one good quarterback all year, and, and that's not an exaggeration. And that was against Maryland. I don't think they're going to be able to use the same recipe they did last year and rush for almost three hundred yards against Ohio State. So I, I like the Buckeyes. Mega, real quick, do you have any one game that's a good one for the listeners to make some money on? That could be any game Friday or Saturday. Uh, well, I kind of I'm I'm haven't got down on it yet, but I am looking at Florida, and I'm a big Florida State believer. But I think if you can get double digits, it's been it's been tickling the ten today, but it's nine and a half pretty much everywhere now. But the last four games, Florida State's played, you know, Georgia Tech, Miami, Syracuse, Louisiana, and this is a big step up in class. The rivalry game, so especially if you could get double digits, I like the Gators. Marco, who do you like, producer Marco? Ohio State, Michigan. <sighs> Boy, seven and a half. This game's a field goal game. I don't care what anybody says. I will I will lean Ohio State, but I am not going to be shocked if Michigan can keep them under control and, and win this game. So it's a that's a tough one, man. I, I don't even know if I'd want to bet it. Yeah, Michigan defense, uh, a little bit better than people think and uh, able to keep them in that game against Illinois even when the offense was struggling. That'll do it for us here on a Fat Tuesday. Chris Megalox-Warinski, appreciate you big time, my man. We'll look forward to touching base with you next Tuesday. Sounds awesome. Love talking to you. And uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and all the listeners. There you go. Coming from a good man, Megalox, my man. He's been coming on the show, SportsX Radio, for a long time. Mark Hoke doing a great job producing. He's got his own show, The Mark Hoke Show, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m., right here live from Vegas. Uh, Well, that'll basically do it. And uh, we'll talk tons of college football tomorrow with Brad Powers. We'll have the Friday football fiasco taped and then I'll be live at Steiner's. Till then, you know the rules. No drinking and driving, no texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from Vegas Sports X Radio. I'm Ken Thompson. Folks, I've enjoyed it. Have a great evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow night live at Steiner's. Good night, everybody.